Hey guys, and welcome to the Freelance Fairy Tales podcast. I'm Alex Fasulo, your host, six figure freelance writer, serial entrepreneur, Fiverr Pro seller, and digital nomad. You've come to the right place if you want to know more about working for yourself online as a freelancer today. I've been freelancing for over six years, and I want to share what I've learned with you. Hi guys, welcome back to the Freelance Fairy Tales podcast where we chat all things remote work, freelancing, mindset, and financial freedom. This week I'm very excited to welcome on Hannah Logsdon, who is a Fiverr and Upwork freelancer set to make over $100,000 in sales this year, having only freelance for a little over 12 months. That's incredible. Hannah offers telemarketing, cold calling, editing, and Instagram story support. I love the variety on Fiverr and Upwork currently with the help of her amazing team of virtual assistants that manage her business in the background. Amazing. She is also the owner of Virtual Momentum, which offers the same type of freelancing support just on her own. Having left a toxic job in the middle of the pandemic, love it. Hannah's journey to freelancing is an example of what's possible when you take just one calculated risk. <laughs> Hi, <That> Hannah. <laughs> intro. <laughs> Yay. So I know I, I'm so interested in this because I kind of have a similar story, but we have to go back to this toxic job. We're, we got to talk about it. What was so toxic about it? Because I really feel like we got to bring light to what is like allowed at these jobs today. Sure. Yeah. So I was working with a company for probably majority of my work experience for five, six years. It, I thought it was great at first. I mean, I came in very eager to impress, very eager to, you know, have good, you know, margins and good profit for them. And I think, unfortunately, that was taken advantage of. So there wasn't really many, like, there wasn't great communication. There wasn't great, you know, work breaks or work-life balance. It was a very let's work. And like, that's all that we hear about. Yeah. How, um, how long were you at this job before you quit it? So I started when I was 18, I'm 24 now. And I quit pretty recently, right? When I started yeah. freelancing, I decided to, you know, just wow. let go of that job. Wow. Wow. Okay. So you quit in the middle of a pandemic, right? Which would, people would say, oh my gosh, that's kind of crazy. Were you were you scared to do that, number one? Number two, did you double up on freelancing while you still had the job or did you kind of just go nuts with it? Yeah, so I I wanted to double up first. I mean, yeah. after seeing your story and kind of learning more about freelancing, it seemed pretty promising. I was excited yeah. to do it, but I didn't, I didn't want to just let everything go first. I wanted to make sure I had some stability with freelancing. So I doubled up a bit. And then I think mm. maybe a few months into it, I was like, oh, this is working out. So I can yeah. do this full time now. Okay. So you, you doubled up for like a couple months and you had mm -hmm. some indication that it was going to work out for you. So then you quit after that. And that's, that's the way I recommend everyone do it because I didn't do it that way. And I think people will say to me, you know, oh, well, how am I supposed to, you know, how do I know if I'm going to be good at this? And I'm like, why can't you just double up? And I guess while you were doubling up, right? So you're working a nine to five and testing freelancing at the same time. Like, what was your work-life balance like? Where were you finding time to, to try the freelancing? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, there wasn't much work-life balance the first couple months. Yeah. I think 
It was just because I really, I really wanted something different. So <laughs> I was pretty committed to, you know, after doing my regular nine to five, I was like, it doesn't matter. Like if I'm tired, like I'll just stay up a little later. I'll do it after I'll do it on weekends. Yeah. And I'm really happy I did because it paid off and I was able to quit, you know, the toxic job yeah. uh, sooner. I know. And I, I think some people don't understand when you're at that breaking point, when you so desperately want something else than that job that you're in, you're willing to do whatever it takes. And it sounds like that's kind of where you were. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think after so many years, I was just realizing that if I continued in this like job position and, you know, with this, with this company, not that every company is like this, it just was mine in particular. I think a lot do do this though. I just, I wasn't going to be happy. I think I was going to be pretty miserable if I continued. Yeah. And that's amazing that you could recognize that, reflect on that and do that so young too, right? So many people, it breaks my heart. They'll, they'll stay trapped until they're 45 because they don't even realize that they have options. And it's amazing. You realized you had options. So I was going to ask you, what made you decide on Fiverr and Upwork? There's so many different freelancing sites out there. What gave you the idea for that? Well, Fiverr, obviously you. I mean, I think okay. you're you know, known as like promoting Fiverr. Until yeah. like right there. And then Upwork, because I actually hired off of Upwork and Fiverr before for my previous mm. job and, you know, little gigs before. So I thought I would diversify and, you know, go on two to start, see which one worked best for me. And, you know, I'm happy I did because in the beginning, Upwork had more success for me. And now Fiverr, I think the algorithm kind of, you know, found me and I'm yeah. getting a lot more gigs from there. And, you know, a lot of people ask me this question, which do you, I guess, not prefer, but what would be like the strengths and weaknesses of Fiverr versus Upwork too? Because people are always so curious about this. They're like, which one, which one and why? Yeah, I mean, they're... They're both great, especially when starting out, but for different reasons. I think, you know, Fiverr's great because you don't really have to focus that much on outreach. Yeah. I mean, it's more about setting your profile, making sure you're responding on time. A lot of times I find it's more gig work. So very, you know, sure, it's not going to yeah. be anything like you get a year long contract. But with Upwork, it was great because I felt like I could actually do something like I could, you know, spend an extra hour or two and, you know, send out proposals, which was great. And I get more long-term clients from Upwork. Okay. I know. Cause I see you're on both still. And I know sometimes people will end up just like picking the one that they want to live on. But I would say that to people, Fiverr is very short-term and Upwork's very long-term focus. And there's no reason why you shouldn't be benefiting from both of them. Is it any easier to get clients off of Upwork and then on Fiverr, you know, obviously on Fiverr, like if they catch you doing that anywhere, it's a huge problem. I'm not too familiar with Upwork. So do you find it's kind of easier to connect with people off of there? Upwork like Fiverr kind of has that same, please keep everything on our, yeah. our platform, which is like, it's great. And then it's great because they connect you. But on the other end, it's not great because I think it's like you, they take 20% until mm -hmm. you make $10,000 or something with a specific client, and then it's only 5%. But I would say, you know, I've had some clients before that have referred me other clients after working with them on Upwork. So I'll have a client and we work on Upwork and then they'll message me and they'll say, hey, I have a friend who needs help, which is good. That becomes more of a direct contract. Yeah. 
And you you had just mentioned you're like the Fiverr algorithm found me. People always write that, you know, they'll be like the algorithm, the algorithm. I'm like, don't worry, it will if you follow all of the things basically I'm telling you to do, it will come and find you. So what what would be some tips you would give someone listening? Why do you think the algorithm found you finally on Fiverr? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, starting out, I I tried to follow all of your tips, which which helped. And I, I would say probably three months in, I started seeing more success with it. I think, you know, making sure that it's actually your face on your, uh, on your gigs yeah. and <laughs> you're, you're responding on time and you want to show that you have some success on there. So, you know, I found that having positive reviews, at least to start, like is a really good foundation. You kind of mm-hmm. need that in order to continue with it. All right. So I know for everyone listening, they probably want to, everyone always wants to dive into the money part of this. And so I, I have to ask you a hundred thousand dollars in sales you're expecting for 2021, right? Or more? I think more. I checked last week and I think it's at 95,000 so far. So I'm pretty sure by the end of the year, it'll be a little. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. So is that, that's income that's coming in from Fiverr, Upwork and your business, virtual Mm -hmm. momentum, all three. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like that is, first of all, congratulations. Cause that is Thank incredible. You. Anyone listening to this guys here, here it is. Like I am not the only one who makes good money doing this. And she did this in a little over a year, which is just remarkable. That's amazing. Why don't you tell everyone listening, what services do you offer and which ones are your most lucrative ones? Yeah. So I, I would say the most lucrative one that I have is cold calling and lead gen. I mean, it's not, it's not like the, I don't know, like most fun gig. Like I see a lot of people, you know, that like want to do writing or Instagram stuff, which is amazing, but Mm -hmm. I didn't have that background. You know, I may diversify into that later if I learn it a little bit better, but cold calling for sure is what I get asked for the most, I think, because a lot of people don't want to do it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I think, you know, with offering services, you want to do the things that people don't want to do or don't have the time to do because they're more likely to push it off to someone else or pay a little bit extra Mm -hmm. if it's something that like is kind of like nails on a chalkboard to them. Totally. I think that's freelancing in general. And that's what a lot of people don't understand when they're worried about being so perfect at the skill set they're offering. I'm like, you have to realize it's actually a time exchange you're saving someone time by doing this for them. They're going to be a little more lenient, especially with cold calling. That's like millennial and Gen Z's worst nightmares, like picking yeah. up a, a phone. So that's that's amazing. I actually haven't had anyone on here yet who offers those types of services. I think it was like cold calling and telemarketing services. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming that was stuff you were doing at the job before. Yeah, no, that's what I was doing at the job before. And I think, you know, it's funny, You know, definitely with Gen Z and millennials, people hate it. But it's, I think it's kind of everyone. Like I'll have people who are in their fifties, like message me and they're like, I hate cold calling. Like I get so nervous on the phone and it is pretty nerve wracking. So, okay. So I don't know much about cold calling, right? So will a client give you a script or will you come up with the script and you just start, you just call people for them? Is that what? Yes. Yeah. With what I do, normally I ask for a script and that's kind of how I started out. Just asking for a script and for them to send a list of leads. I found more, a lot of people are asking me to write a script for them or, you know, make a list for them. So I'm adding those as new gigs, which is great. But yeah, I mean, it's always great when they provide everything for me. So then I can just call for them. 
Yeah, I know that always ends up happening with freelancing. People want the one-stop shop. So you start by cold calling, and next thing you know, you're writing the script for them, you're holding their hand, you're making business plans. They want you to do everything because you know their business, and that's like so valuable to them. So is there pressure on you if they give you a list of 100 leads that like two of them convert? Do you ever feel like pressure? Sometimes. I try to set expectations be, like at the start, especially if someone's coming in, assuming that you know they've never done cold calling before, they're not familiar with it, and... I have a lot of people that'll send me like a list of a hundred and they're like, I want 50 leads to convert and 50 set appointments. And, you know, I say, that's great. I can try my best. Yeah. But like the truth of the matter is with cold calling, it's, you know, they're cold leads. I can't promise you anything. So I try to set, you know, expectations beforehand. And mm-hmm. if there is a situation where, you know, maybe to convert or sometimes none of them convert, I like to, you know, maybe offer something extra for free to make sure they're happy, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Other thing I'm thinking about is you need a a phone, I'm guessing that's international for clients? Yeah, so right now I just do Canada and the US, but I'm, I'm looking into getting some more international numbers or being able to do that. But with Canada and the US, it's already been so many, I'm kind of nervous to add an international number at this point. Yeah. And with so much success so fast, I know you have a team or I mean, you, you fast tracked everything. So this is incredible for everyone listening. She has a team already, her own business. And so how many people are in your team kind of working on this with you? I kind of have like a, a roster of people. So I think right now it's about six or seven girls that I have and they help me with more of the back end stuff like the stuff that I don't really want to deal with so like managing my schedule you know compiling a list if I need help with that you know handling emails and all that kind of stuff the things that take time away from me actually converting more sales so these these women function as virtual assistants for you basically in the background and that, and you're only 24. Like, that's amazing. So what, what do the people in your life think of this? I have to ask, like, your boyfriend, your family. What does everyone think of this? Because you're so young to be so business savvy. It's interesting because I think being, you know, younger and going and telling people what I do, it's almost... I mean, to be honest, it kind of feels like imposter syndrome. Like, you yeah. know, I wake up every day and I, I, like, you know, I meet new people and they ask me what I do. And when I say, oh, I own a, a sales and marketing company, they're like, oh, that's cool. And I'm like, am I not supposed to be doing this? Like, I'm yeah. too young. <laughs> but no, it's great. I, I'm very lucky to have a good support system. You know, my partner, he is also in business too. He has that entrepreneurial spirit. So it's nice having someone to talk to, you know, at the end of the day. Oh, I definitely think that is so important. I think really intense entrepreneurs at the end of the day probably do the best pairing up with other entrepreneurs, like, or entrepreneurial thinkers, because I feel like it's such its own world, you know, to be opening all these new things, hiring people that, yeah, your partner needs to have your back with it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, did you kind of have that? I'm just out of curiosity. Did you have that problem too, when you were, you know, like first telling people what you were doing and what you do now? Oh man. I mean, so back seven years ago, no one even knew what the word freelancing meant. So when I told people I was freelance writing, they wouldn't even, I could tell there would be just like blank stare at me because I could tell they had no idea what I just said to them. So they wouldn't want to be embarrassed either. And they'd be like, okay. And like, just kind of like, nobody wanted to ask me about it. No one knew what I was doing. I think everyone thought I was sitting at cafes every day, like playing pretend that I'm an author. I think people just humored me for a while. 
and they only really took me seriously because of that first news article that came out on me and I got a lot of negative feedback for it because I think I think people get upset when you challenge something that they thought they knew to be true and you prove to them it's false I think people get you know naturally the reaction is to get like kind of angry about it so I got a lot of anger then. So I'm happy, you know, today that it's much more accepted. So I think if someone says, hey, yeah, I'm actually working online. I'm making six figures. I'm only 24. I, I like to think people are more like, okay, I get that. Hopefully for you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think so. I mean, I think I've, I'd say a lot of the times when I say I'm on Fiverr Upwork, the first response I get is like, oh, the place where you make $5. And I, I'm like, I kind of chuckle at this point now, but yeah. It's like, yeah, like, sure, I make $5, but, you know, it, it adds up. And, you know, my, my gigs normally, like, I think my average price on Fiverr is, like, I don't know, like, 75 plus. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. if you can, like, stack those up in a, in a day of five or, or ten, like, it's amazing. Yeah, and back when I got started on it, it was truly $5. And so that's why I think people wrote it off and they're like, what's Alex making, like, 20 bucks a day or something? And 2017, a change, you know, with Fiverr Pro. I, I think that's a lesson where be careful the uh, name you pick for your brand, because <laughs> I think Fiverr <laughs> probably massively regrets that they named themselves Fiverr, because they don't want anything to be $5 anymore. Nothing. Yeah. All of my stuff starts at $100. I know people who have stuff that starts at like $500, 1000 It's so far away from $5 at this point. But the name, I think, I don't blame people for getting confused. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, that's all incredible. I I have also a lot of people ask me this too. So I have a couple of virtual assistants. I have a team of writers. They would say to me, where do you get your VAs? Where do you get your VAs? And to me, it's kind of common sense. I'm like, I don't know. They find me. I post about it on Instagram stories. So I'd love to ask you, where do you find your VAs? Yeah, so I, I mean, it's kind of full circle. I think I, I find them on Fiverr and Upwork. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just a yeah. great way to find people. And then you can also like vet them and see their reviews and make sure they're going to be a good fit. So I would say, yeah, like if you're on Fiverr and if you're needing a virtual assistant, go go to a freelancing platform. I was lucky. I'm lucky enough now that I found a really great girl to start. And then I kind of just asked her if she knew anyone else. And now I have this great team that are all sort of connected. And how far along were you into freelancing before you kind of had that epiphany where you're like, I need help or or I want help? Like when when did that kind of come around for you? Yeah, I think it was probably three, four months in. I it was very excited and I wanted to get it off the ground a little bit more, but I, you know, had this realization that I really can't do it on my own if I wanted to grow it. I was sometimes working, you know, till like 1 a.m. and then, you know, waking mm-hmm. up at like 6.30 to prep for like a 7 a.m. meeting. And it just like, it, it wasn't sustainable. Now that I've, you know, offloaded some of the work to the girls, it it's nice. I can have more of a, I don't want to say a nine to five because it's very yeah. sporadic, but it, more of a, more of a life now, which is great. Yeah. Oh, and I actually, another question just popped into my head because I'm just curious about the cold calling do you have to make sure you're in like a co-working space or obviously I feel like you need to have like a quiet environment, right? To do it. Yeah. So uh, normally I, you know, would do it from home and I had like my own little office room that was like very closed off. No one could interrupt me. I just actually got an office here in Toronto. So I'm, I'm here and they have their own little work call rooms, which is nice. So I do my calls from there and no one can disturb me. It's just nice. 
Do you ever have to do it back at like your apartment or living space ever? Sometimes, you know, sometimes yeah. I'll have to do it if I have to call like super early or I just don't feel like going in. It, it works. It's great. But I have a, I have a cat. So sometimes it can oh. be difficult. Oh man. What kind of cat? He's an all black cat. Oh, I love cats so much. <laughs> like, this, and this, I didn't want to say this because it might sound creepy, but it's, it's, I swear to God, it's, he's not named after you, but his name is Alex. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> I believe you're like my roommate, Alex. So. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh man, that's a good that's a good name for a boy black cat, Alex. That's cute. Yeah. He's he's a cutie. I'm very happy with him. Oh, I know. I feel like every freelancer needs a cat. Although I'm not, if you guys are listening, I'm not advocating if you like hate animals, please don't go get one. But I feel like cats are great freelancer companions if you're at home. They just kind of like chill in the corner and like emotionally support you. They're, they're the best. I'll be cold calling or sending emails and he'll just like lay on my lap and I'll pet him. And it's like, all right, like things aren't so bad. This is, I know like, it's like therapeutic. I think they say cat purring on your body, I think is like actually good for your heart or something. I a hundred percent believe that. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Everyone listening already knows I love cats, so I'll stop. But all right. So what would, what would you say to someone listening right now, feeling either very discouraged in their job that they want to quit or maybe they've been trying the whole freelancing thing for a year and it's just not, you know, taken off for them. What would your advice be to them as someone who has had so much fast success with this? Yeah, I mean, if you're in a, a role or a situation where you, you know, kind of just feel miserable in, yeah. just give them a try, honestly. I, I think that a lot of people, and, you know, sometimes I've done this before, put a lot of pressure on yourself. You think mm-hmm. you have to have everything perfect, which... I promise it's not the case. It's so much easier to start and then adapt as challenges come up. I, I would say do that. You know, if you've been freelancing for a year or so and have found no success, maybe st- take a step back, mm-hmm. look and see, okay, are there other industries with freelancing that I would be better suited for? Maybe I should, you know, hone my skills a little bit more. You know, I think maybe doing a little bit more research, watching your videos, like those are all good tips. <laughs> Yes, guys, listening. I mean, you you already know I have this podcast. I have so many resources. I think I've actually given everything I know. Like, I don't think I have anything more to teach left to, like, give. It's all out there. And that's amazing. I didn't realize you had used my, you know, some of my videos or whatever to do what you've done. So that's just incredible. You have a lot to be proud of. So much success. It's just, it's amazing. I love it. And I love nothing more than hearing this stuff. Final thing, what's next for you? What's I would love to hear. What what are your big plans for 2022? What's going on? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I would love to, like, thinking big, I'd love to try and double sales. <laughs> if I can do of 100 course. this year, 200 yeah. would be great. Maybe add some new gigs and, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe get a little more active on social media. It's kind of, like, not my thing, but I yeah. can see the importance of it. <laughs> Yeah, that's, you know, that's exactly how I was, though, in the beginning. I wanted to give my all to my business. I was, like, silent on social media. And then almost three years into it before I got on social media, and people wouldn't know that because they're like, oh, what are you talking about? You post all the time. I'm like, I actually didn't used to. So don't rush yourself with that, you know. You'll you'll get to it when you're ready to get to it. And your business, I, I understand. It's like your baby, you know? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you want to take good care of it. All right. So for everyone listening, where can they do business with you? Sure. So my website is virtual-momentum.com. And then on Fiverr, it's just Hannah Opry. 
Yeah, and then Instagram is H Aubrey with two S. All right, thank you so much, Hannah. This is so, so inspiring. For everyone listening, 100K in a little over a year. What are your excuses? I don't wanna hear them. Amazing, amazing. Hannah, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much.